Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Para Podcast. I'm John, also known as 4020, stepping into the host seat this week to fill in for Hamish. Uh, joining me as part of the usual crew is Bertie. Hey, how's it going? And Ham. Good to be back. It is good to have you back, mate. Uh, all your technology sorted out now, back where you usually are. No dramas with the uh, the old waterworks, eh? No, and uh, my lovely podcast microphone is back up working, so we'll be able to hear my That's right, the time. That's it. Exactly. It's uh, going to be probably a brief podcast this week, boys, because without our uh, fearless leader, we can see that direction and kind of try and stay on track, but there's not that much to discuss, so let's jump right into it, starting with the All-Stars weekend. We had the double-headed Cartman Combank from the Bank West, and the double and NRL teams in action for the Maui All-Stars and Indigenous All-Stars. Action kicked off at 5 o'clock with the ladies' game, uh, where the Indigenous All-Stars prevailed 18-8. to There were five Parramatta Eels, or prospective Parramatta Eels, going to not quite uh, debuted yet, but there were five Parramatta Eels in action there. One of them got on the board in Tamaya Kelly Sines. What do we make out of this game? And before I get there, I suppose, uh, Autumn Rain Steffens scoring twice for the Maori women, while uh, Jamie Chapman, who I think went on to be player of the game, Got a double herself with our girl Tamaya Kelly Sines scoring a fantastic individual try. And uh, Kira Dib was perfect off the kick and tee, three from three. That's the uh, scorer sheet there. But we had five girls in action uh, Batil Vetti Welsh, Josephi Daniels, uh, Nita Maynard, a dummy half, uh, Kennedy Charrington at, at Lock Ford, sorry. And then obviously uh, Tamaya Kelly Sines. What do we make of the game? What do we make of our girls? And uh, anything else you want to talk about out of this one? I really enjoyed the game. I was down there. Um, front row, about the 30-metre line. Uh, both thought both teams played really hard, played with a lot of passion. Um, and you can just see that the, the skill level is forever rising with the women mm. at this age, uh, at this grade, sorry. And it's just, just really good to see. I thought the game was played. Yeah, the game was played in really good spirit. Um, both, both teams accepted each other's culture, and it was really nice. Um, in terms of the Parramatta girls, um, BVW, she's, got, she's an absolute superstar. She just cruised through the line that, so that, many that times. That is almost how I, I described to her. I was saying we had the tip sheet recorded earlier today, and I was saying the 60s. You don't want to put you know the, the sort of expectation over but there's a little bit of Darren Lockyer, the way she just cruises or glides around the field and just sort of runs at her own pace and is all, like pulling away from a lot of people. Yeah, it's just she knew where to put herself in the right position on those attacking raids, um, particularly down the left there. She just, yeah, just cut through, and I thought um, Kennedy Charrington was my uh, player of the match. She just... Non-stop, every time that um, they posted the stats up on, on the big screen there. You know, and it, and it was noticeable, it wasn't she was just stat padding. Yeah, she like, was, exactly. There's a big difference between stat padding and, and being a high-volume contributor. Um, yeah, she was top of the run meters, top of the tackles, top of the run me- uh, all runs, top of tackle breaks. She was just absolutely killing it, and, I, you know, probably deserved a try there. Uh, yeah, yeah so, she, she was so easily player of the match for me. Yeah, and watching, obviously, we had a chance to speak to Kennedy Charrington on the tip sheet at length, and she was a fantastic interview, wonderful, wonderful young woman. Uh, but watching her, it was a little bit like watching Nathan Brown get in the work, that aggression, just a touch of grubbiness that you'll always love to have on your team, but you always hate the verse because it's it can really unsettle your, your players. But, mate, she just got her head involved in everything, a high impact, high work rate, and I think that uh, she's going to be a fan favourite very quickly throughout the NRLW season. And for such a young, she's only 23. Yeah. You know, what she come in 2020 in the uh, NRLW and this will be her second season. Um, luckily, it's with Parramatta. Hopefully, she sticks with the Parramatta Reels in future. I think she's a, a potential captain and, you know, a face of the club. And on the flip side, obviously, Tamaya Kelly Signs had a nice little stint there for the Indigenous All-Stars, scoring a fantastic solo try. And it was funny because on the, the private chat we have, uh, I think there was someone that was saying, man, we should uh, sign that lady after she scored the try. <laughs> and everyone sort of jumped in and said, don't worry, she's already in the blue and gold for this year. So looking forward to the sort of partnership she can strike up with the likes of uh, Samima Taufa and Kennedy Charrington in the middle. Bertie, you um you watch this game or are you uh, following the men's game today on the weekend? Uh, to be honest, I only, I only just watched the men's game. I just... Uh, That's all right. Well, I'm not... I'm not- I'm not up to date to the women's, so I don't know who's at. That's all right. We'll, who's in this? Well, we'll get you. Yeah. We'll get you on board for round one of the NRLW, um, which yeah. is which is closing in. So we're looking forward to that. But let's move on to the men's game because Hamish, you said something funny uh, in the context of these two games that this first game was played in a wonderful spirit with the respect between the two cultures, but it, was, it wasn't quite the same for the men. Uh, this was a fiery affair, the most fiery I've seen the uh, NRL All Stars be in any iteration. Uh, with the the boys escalating some big hits into 
lots of pushing and shoving and uh, sort of argy-bargy stuff. Um, opposite- yeah, well, it started off with the uh, war cries, I think. It's, mm. You know, it, I really enjoyed it when um, you had the haka coming up and Andrew Fafita took it like a personal challenge. Mm-hmm. He was as if it was two warring nations. It was really good to see. He was getting right into it. And, and that's passion. That's really good to see. And I thought, um, yeah, Rapina grubbed it up a bit and <laughs> what, what have you. But it was good to see Andrew get back on the field after he's induced coma. It was good to see him have that passion. It's easy to forget um, that he, went, he did go And just sticking up for his mate that got absolutely demolished. And I will say this, as much as there was some grubby stuff happening between the, the start and finishing whistles, before and after the game, it felt like the boys – we're still good comrades and good mates, which is what you really love about football. They can tear in for 80 minutes and absolutely, uh, you know, rip each other's heads off, cheap shots, niggle, all that sort of stuff. But when the full-time whistle blows, you can go back and uh, shake each other's hands and have a drink or a beer together. In terms of the result, uh, this one, the, the Maori All-Stars managed to get the goods over the Indigenous All-Stars. Cody Nikarima opening the scoring for the Maoris, followed by Eason Masters and Joseph Tapanay. Had a couple of different guys take shots at goals between Patrick Herbert and Cody Nicarima. They were two from three together, uh, but it looks like Herbert might have missed the second attempt. But um, then they got one apiece. On the flip side, Jesse Ramian and Tyrell Sloan scored. No try conversions for the Indigenous All-Stars, but Braden Trindle did add a penalty goal in the 20th minute. And the, you alluded to it beforehand, but there were three sin bins in this game. Uh, Jordan Rappiner for a shoulder charge, which saw Andrew Fafita follow for being the third man in or the instigator of the brawl. And then following that, Jesse Ramian, I think was for off the ball, wasn't it? Uh, was a hit off the ball? Yeah, uh, tackled off the ball. Yeah, in the 55th minute. So fair bit of action there in the sin bin. Uh, this was a physical game played in pretty tough conditions because the rain sort of set in there. But yeah, I mean, we only had one uh, one bloke on show for us, uh, big Wiramu Greg. I thought he did pretty well. Uh, came off the bench got through six or seven runs for 60 or 70 odd meters, few tackle busts, a lot of support play. Um, he was he was really pushing up, which is good. Um, and it was good to see Wiramu in fit and trim uh, shape as well. He looked really, really good. Yeah, I thought he, um, you know, last year, uh, seeing him in reserve grade, he sort of, you know, he had that work rate, but he sort of trundled into the line. Mm-hmm. Whereas I thought this time he was pushing into line and trying to push through the line. Um, obviously, from the weight loss, he's gained a bit of power, a bit of bit of speed there. So that's a good uh, good um, trade off. And uh, I believe he got through this game unscathed, although he hasn't been named to take on the Dragons. Spoilers for later. Uh, but uh, there were a few injury concerns for other clubs out of this game. I believe some head knocks and the like. But I don't. F- was there anything massively serious? I can't recall off the top of my head. No, I'm going to I take, I'm going to take so that I think, as a I think no. the, the biggest concern for a club will be the, is, uh, the Bulldogs with Josh Addo-Carr. I don't <laughs> think I saw him take a run. So that might be Saving himself for the regular for the season. Saving himself for the regular season, Ham. Come on. That wasn't the only action well, that, on the that, weekend. That's what you hope if you're <laughs> the blue and whites. That, that's true. That wasn't the only action on, on Saturday. Before that, there was a triple header, or technically a, it was a – a quadruple header because there was a talent squad in action there too. But there was a triple header for the Blue and Gold out at Cabramatta, their first home game of the junior rep season. They were hosting the Canterbury Bulldogs, now that you mentioned them, Ham. Um, and the Bulldogs came into this game having won all their round one clashes across the three grades. Parramatta, the, res- uh, the reverse, they had lost all their three games. So there was a lot on the line here. You didn't want to start 0-2 and the Dogs obviously looking to go 2-0 and and build into a top four uh, run. But uh, action started with the Tasha Gale at, I want to say, 10.30 kickoff. Um, amidst highly volatile weather, it was kind of four seasons in one. And we spoke about we spoke about it at length last week, Ham, about how this was a very promising looking Tashgal outfit, and they really took it to one of the Premiership heavyweights in the Indigenous Roosters Academy last week. And they did build on what they showed last week and prevailed eighteen to twelve. Ashley Pottinger getting over the board on the second minute, or sorry, in the second minute, followed by Rosemary Beckett and Talisha Maver, and then Alicia Bell, the difference on the tee, sharpshooter, free from free. Uh, one of the the most pristine strikers of the ball, I think you'll see in the Tasha Gale. For the Dogs, uh, their winger Bree Stone got a double and Afeni Tabuai Sali also scoring. This one, the, the girls got out to a hot start and then the Dogs sort of freed their arms up, played a bit of second-phase footy and, and really challenged us. Yeah, they they held onto the ball early and I thought uh, that early try or those early couple of tries really gave them a lot of confidence, um, which sort of spurred them on at the end there, I believe. They, uh, a few times their defence and their um, scramble defence has been very good, but it's been in that when they've had the ball, they've sort of struggled. And it, it, it seems like they they lack confidence when they don't score. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, but I'll that, tell you, uh, 
Yeah, go on. Sorry. I was just going to say that that point you raise, um, it's interesting because that could be a reflection of the struggles they've had in the past where if they didn't convert their opportunities, they often got locked out of the game. Whereas I think this team can can learn that they're able to absorb that pressure and they'll come back next time and score because they've got enough talent. Absolutely. Between the six and the seven, um, Talara Bamblett, I believe she's come over from touch football, and Rosemary Beckett, she's a big half. Uh, they really impressed me as well as mm. the uh, 11 and 12, Talisha Maeva and Kiana Lakeni. Um, Talisha was just hitting hard on and off the ball. Kiana was running some really nice lines off um, Talara there. You could probably hear the heavy rain coming down in the background. <laughs> um but yeah, it was it was really. Jo- I believe that's the first time I've seen them. I've been to the game and they've won, so really good there to see. Got the duck uh, off the back hopefully, there. you know, as we as we hope that they get better, better and better and better. Hopefully, this gives them confidence moving forward that you know they can win and they can push for that. I, top I think season. this. I think this was an important win too because the Bulldogs seem to have a pretty formidable outfit. They got a couple of really good young, uh, really good props there. I think it was was it Elisa Nikki, the number eight. That uh, yeah, was a real, one off a the real bench handful. Two, Seventeen, and uh, that would have been a Fanny Tabuai Sali who scored. Yeah, she was very good, and I thought the the fullback Abigail Sekatoga also caused a few problems. So they're a, a pretty handy outfit, and the fact that the girls could handle all the pressure that was thrown at them and uh, hold on to get that win is a, an important feather in their cap. So that was the first game, or well, technically the second game. Like I said, there was a talent squad in action who I think prevailed ten tries to two over the Bulldogs. So that was a good result as well. The Harold Matthews were the uh, second official game, though, coming off an 0-1 start where we think they completed it. If you, if you take away the Roosters' knockdowns or bat downs, we think they completed it at sub-20%. Obviously had a lot of room for improvement. Ham didn't get out of the blocks fast, though. They let the dogs get out of the blocks far, uh, quite fast for double to uh, find a foul seve. And sort of it took them a long time to find themselves. Eventually there was a Symbian uh, late in the game, or well, late-ish, 43rd minute, uh, to Julius uh, Matama Latu for what I believe was signaled as elbows in the ruck or the use of elbows in the ruck. And the boys just exploded from there. Uh, we saw, uh, was it a three tries in a short burst there? If, um, earlier we had Michael, uh, Michael Junior Fagalele score, sorry, but in that Symbian period, we saw Michael Gabriel, Luke Maroon, and Sam Tuavati all cross to put the game beyond doubt and score 20 unanswered points. Muhammad Al Madin kicking two from four. Uh, for the dogs, obviously, Seve had that double, but Mitchell Woods going two from two off the tee as well. Uh, that was, I think, you don't want to say it was a season-defining 20-minute period there, Ham, but, gee, they needed to find their identity, and they did in that window. Yeah, I thought, um, you know, earlier on was saying that their their mental strength is sort of yes, down. Yeah, exactly. They're being- it's very down. I, I didn't think they would have had the resilience to come back. Um, obviously, the Sin Bin Hell playing against 12 men, um, as you'll see, Parramatta put up some highlights of Luke Maroon's try. Early contender for try of the season. just flung it left, and it was really good support play by both players. Fungalili. Uh, Talatina um, was there as well, Lorenzo Talatina off the bench, I believe. Sorry, it was Lorenzo. It wasn't Junior. It was my mistake. It was Lorenzo. Flung it right to left um, to the winger. Big cutout pass. He backed up. The winger backed up after being tackled, mm-hmm. and then he went on to score. So it was re- that was really good Smart footy tribe was also very scintillating, um, but yeah, they just they were they were lucky in in a oh, sense. Oh, de- the definitely dogs- they they cashed in on the Symbian. Um, shout out though to Richard Penasini who did his best Wonga Blake impression as well. Climbed the ladder, went up and got a, a crossfield kick, and then offloaded to uh, Junior Fagalelli to score that early try. Um, but yeah, this this was a game where early on, obviously completion rates were low. I thought uh, I thought that uh, Matthew Arthur tried too hard. He was guilty of just overplaying his hand at times, trying to force something to happen for the team. And then later on, he really got – when he got in the gear, the entire team just went with him. He set up a fantastic try for uh, Michael Gabriel for a, a beautiful little kick ahead and uh, ended up controlling the ruck really nicely during that final third of play. Um, but, yeah, across the park, I think they just sort of stepped into gear during that period. Um, the centres are very powerful in this team. The wingers are quite good as well. Uh, the, the forward pack, I suppose, it falls on them to, be, to stamp their authority in uh, – more general play, if that's probably the not the best best way of putting it, but it feels like uh, guys like Sam Tuavati and, and those starting back rowers, uh, Funo Uta, Lakeni Uta, they need to be uh, more assertive when the game is just in a neutral state, and that, that hasn't been there for the first probably game and two thirds. Yeah, they definitely need to get their ball, their hands on the ball, third, fourth tackle. There, there were two things that st- oh, three things I'll, I'll say here. One was a play that you mentioned to me that you thought changed the game when he came on, and that was big Kobe Herford. 
he he was injected in the game and merely made uh, a difference in that middle corridor. Um, so I thought Kobe was very good. And I believe he's been rewarded for starting spot on the back of that. So that's a, a good reward. I was also impressed with Tyson Sangalang off the bench. I thought he brought good energy to the middle. Um, a smaller middle forward. He's not tiny, but he's smaller. But he gets in behind the ruck really effectively against those fatiguing defenders. And there was a play also that I felt was important in this game. This is something you highlighted as well when we were talking about this. was uh, Blaze Talangi. Uh, I believe there was a kick from uh, young Arthur where he stabbed it down towards the goal line. And it was just a, a I, I don't know, just put his head down and just ripped downfield and got there and, and trapped the fullback uh, Bronson Rubin on his goal line. Uh, it was a massive play by Tongi in the context of the game. Yeah, absolutely. The, the kick, it was a really nice kick um, Arthur put in. It was sort of in between the fullback and winger. And that indecision um, of who was going to pick the ball up got blazed down there. And I'm, I'm actually pretty sure... It forced a double knock on, It right? forced an error. Yeah, and we, I think uh, I think we tried to claim a try off it uh, via Fagalele or Penasini. But uh, the touchy conferred the referee and they ruled a double knock on uh, our way, like it was our feed. Uh, yeah. It was a real, like just an absolute effort play from from a bloke that we've come to expect it from in Talangi, who is you know 100% heart as well as being quite a talented footballer. But he gives a, a wholehearted effort in every game. And yeah, it was just a, it, it really cemented the fact that the Eels had wrestled control of the game away from the Bulldogs. So yeah, it was nice to see the uh, the mat get on the board and get one and one even on their season. Um, there's still a lot of work to do because this is a talented team, but that uh, first two thirds of the game, it looked like they were going to sort of get almost run off the park due to the self-inflicted errors. But thankfully, they figured it out, and now if the tape there to be uh, reviewed, hopefully they can go onto it in round three. Unfortunately, though, for the SG ball, they couldn't right the wrongs of round one, falling twenty to twelve to the Bulldogs in that grade, and uh, this was one-way traffic for the vast majority of the game. Dogs got out to a 20, uh, 18 to nil lead, sorry. Uh, and then it was a late flurry from the Eels to give them an unlikely chance at a draw. So Dogs uh, getting on. Early scorers were Watasoni Bagizo, William Tuatupu, and Jonathan Sua. Sua was flawless from the kicking tee, adding three, power, three try conversions and the crucial penalty goal in the last minute to you know effectively kill any chance of a draw for the blue and gold. For the Eels, it was a late surge with Larry Maiga Tatia scoring in the 61st minute and Tatona Jr. Wright getting on four minutes later in the 65th. Ethan Sanders hitting his two attempts uh, perfectly, going two from two. But yeah, this was a game where, geez, it was frustrating, Ham. Uh, so so many self-inflicted uh, errors. 41% possession, 54% completion rate. Uh, dogs ahead in all key attacking stats, no surprise, given those two discrepancies in possession and completion rates there. Uh, but it just felt like the team weren't mentally ready. When the Dogs got down to the goal line, they scored simply during those uh, first uh, 10 or 12 minutes, um, and they felt like they were able to exploit some bad matchups out wide too. Jonathan Sewer was out jumping to Tony Jr. right, and yeah, by the time he clicked into gear in that 60th minute, it was too little too late. Yeah, I, I actually left before he clicked into gear. I, I left uh, just as the Dogs were taking the penalty. I thought, no, oh, no, that's it. That's mm-hmm. enough for me. Um, we're just dropping too much ball. And it's, it's the, you know, it, it was even last year, it was prevalent last year when the, a lot of these boys were playing Harold Mats. They just, they weren't holding onto the ball. They, I, I can't explain it, but the thing is, they're so talented that despite dropping on this ball, they only lost 20 to 12. It goes to show that, you know, they just need to hold on that ball for <laughs> it first mean, five sets every half and it, then it sounds so move boring, on from there. And, and it sounds like you're because you're, they're just so talented. You're flogging a dead horse at this point, but. It's true of all grades, but especially in the junior reps, you hold on to the ball and it solves so many of your problems. You, you'll you go on to win if you've got a, anyway near a reasonably talented squad, and he'll certainly have a talented squad. Um, but yeah, they just they did not hold on to the ball, and they worse, they often gifted the dogs piggyback opportunities into their red zone, whether it was via indiscretions in the ruck for penalties or just you know turning the ball over uh, lightly early in a set in their own half. And yeah, and, and credit to the dogs, they got some good players. I thought, uh, was it Begiso? What is only Begiso? The prop, I thought he was pretty good, uh, big athletic unit. Um, had some uh, decent uh, weapons in the back line too. Harles were busy. But once again, this is more a game that the Eels lost than the dogs won. And they're going to reflect on the start of his season and it's probably going to cost them a spot in the top six when, when the business end of the season comes around because uh, top six, you've got maybe three or four games you can drop total depending on results, and they're already at 0-2. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, yeah, they've got, what, six games left and a bye? Um, I'll just go on Yeah, bye, bye after next week, correct, yeah. So uh, you've got nine games total, so they've got, uh, they've played two, so yeah, they've got six games and a, uh, a bye in hand. Okay, so last year, six 
the cutoff was two losses. There you go. And a draw. Yep, two losses and the draw. So, it, you know, they, their, their margin for error is pretty much zero now. Yep, they've got to win from here on out. Um, the thing is, I believe they can. I think there's – I thought Cody Parry, every run that he had mm-hmm. – uh, I like Cody Parry, yep. He's pushed through the line, had a lot of hunger in his runs, a lot of intent. Um I thought Charlie Geimer was unlucky as well. He, he created some good opportunities for himself but couldn't quite finish. Uh, yeah, there was one try. I believe it was his try where the referee called him short. Mm. But I swear it looked at the ball, looked the, on the, the line. Boy, I mean, the boys celebrated, ball. yeah, and then they had to quickly get back and defend because of the, the nature of the call. But, yeah, I thought the center pairing were fine. Um, Ethan Sanders was very good in that final stanza where you'd missed him, but it's, uh, on, it's he's just he's all class. Like yeah, for he, even for a junior, he is a year young in this grade. Um, he he certainly has all the poise he needs. It's just on him to. Uh, I think he's just got to be a little bit more assertive early on, and and that might mean making like you know you don't want to be a ball hog, but he needs to be the dominant half in this team, and that pushes Riley Lack to the off ball role, uh, if anything. Absolutely, well, well Riley's only just come in this season. You know, Ethan. Once we get over that into that attacking half, you want him touching the ball three, possibly yeah, even four exactly. times a set, even if this is a shovel the ball on. Exactly. Get the ball it, where it gets, you want it to go. That's right. Getting the ball where you want to go. Get your guys in the position you want them to be, and that's the two things he can do. Um, big Larry Michael here obviously got on the board. It was good to see him starting to warm up into his best form. Uh, but that that forward pack, a bit like the mats, where I sort of said they need to be better in those neutral positions. I think it's true in this grade grade as well. A lot of uh, unforced errors, some uh, bad ball carrying and whatnot, and uh, weak ruck defense in the goal line as well, which was really concerning. But you know, there, there are you know very talented players in that forward pack. Just got to figure it out. I think they need to get their captain Saxon Pryke more involved. Um, I really like Saxon. So do you, Ham? Uh, good, good talented back rower. Just needs to be putting some more uh, opportunities to opportunities to succeed. Sorry. Um, the other one that I, I was impressed with off the bench was Marcus Atoa. Had some really powerful charges, but again, ball handling. That's uh, the one area that's let him down. He had a couple of really good runs and even a run where he actually knocked over a few defenders, but then when trying to transition the ball into a position to offload, lost it. So just those little you know, little things here and there need to tidy up and it'll go a long way towards figuring out their issues. And I also think looking at those team lists this week, they get a few uh, reinforcements back at dummy half as well, which might help in that regard. So yeah, that rounds out the junior reps going two and one on the round, which is fairly solid. Obviously good news for the Harold Matthews and Natasha Gale. Uh, they've got a big week up at Camdenham where they're taking on uh, a combination of the West Tigers and the uh, Western Suburbs Magpies. No, it's just the Western Suburbs Magpies. No, it? Tasha Gale, West Tigers, I believe. Oh, sorry. Yes, my mistake. Yeah, that, that's the only day. For some reason, it's a joint venture in a Tasha Gale. I don't know why. Uh, but uh, for the Tasha Gale, they're taking on, uh, talking to Joe Grimer earlier, the, the Tigers are one of the considered one of the form teams of competition. Entering round three, two and zero, oh, seen as one of the sort of the big four contenders alongside the Indigenous Academy, the Steelers, and I think the Bulldogs might be uh, a team that Joey labelled as uh, contenders as well. So that would have been a big feather in their cap, getting the win in round two. Um, and then the Harold Matthews, they're one and uh, one and one. No, the Harold Matthews are two and zero oh as well. The uh, Western Suburbs Magpies, correct? And then for the SG Boar, a team that's in the same circumstances as themselves, uh, the Western Suburbs Magpies entering this round. 0 and 2 with a marginally better for and against minus 12 versus minus 14. So a chance to kickstart their season against a team that's got the same tribulations. And I think that wraps up all the uh, weekend action, boys. Uh, moving on to the big or big news, the uh, upcoming action for the trials on Sunday before the NRL trial kicks off. I believe there's a Jersey Flake trial out at Ringrose, um, which will feature inactive SG ball players, as per what Jerry Grimer. Uh, broke on the tip sheet today, which will be you know good use of uh, extra ben- extra bench space there. Um, I'm hoping to get out to this one, Ham. I don't know if you're going, you're planning to get out there. It's a, a highly new look Jersey flag team. There's a lot of uh, young gra- graduate talents uh, from our pathways. There's a lot of uh, new faces brought in externally, and I really want to see how they uh, come together and play on the weekend. That's at one o'clock at Ringrose, isn't it? I believe it's one o'clock at Ringrose. Yeah. Just in time for lunch and get a nice Wenty burger. Lunch, Hopefully yeah, the then, canteen is open. And then roll that into the doubleheader at Combank, yeah. That'd be very nice. I, I will be out there. there I go. will be out there. So, yeah, that, uh, stay tuned for some feedback from myself and him there because we we really do want to see what the uh, the flags is shaping up to be because, like we said, there's a lot of question marks in a positive way about the team. We've got a new coach, lots of new players. Um, so all those new systems and new players have to um, come together and, and figure themselves out. Yeah, I'm interested to see uh, Germ's influence on the team. I've heard, I've heard some good things. I've heard he's very intense. 
So good to see, good to see a, a taskmaster as Jersey Fleet coach. <laughs> and yeah, and we, we mentioned it before, but he's obviously a, a very highly credentialed coach for the Jersey Fleet. It's a bit of a coup for the Eels, and um, hopefully that can be reflected in the results. But uh, the uh, main event, the one that we've all been waiting for, is the Sunday NRL trial out at, well, it was, I was about to say Bank West, but it is Combank Stadium. Uh, first home game for a trial in God knows how long. Um, it has been, I mean, credit to the Eels, they do they take a lot of their games for the preseason to the uh, country or to uh, various other venues, whether it's, uh, I want to say, uh, Alice Springs and places like that. They've, they've gone through some pretty exotic locales. But we're coming home this year for the first time in a long, long time. And we've named the pretty good team, boys. I was actually surprised. Um, but it seems to have been a trend in the NRL this year. A lot of clubs are taking the first trial very seriously, including the, the Seagulls who even named Tommy Dubovich. So they're, they're putting him out of cotton wool and exposing him to preseason rust. But for the Eels, uh, we've named a 24-man squad, which is going to be headlined by Sean Lane as the captain, given that Quinton Gufferson and Junior Paul are both absent for this week. But I'll go through 1-24 to 24. now. Uh, Hayes Perrin will be fullback uh, with Hayes Dunster, and Bailey Simonson, our first look at the new recruit on the flanks. In the centres, Tom Opicic will partner Hayes down the left and Will Penasini with Bailey down the right. We've got the uh, J&J firm in the halves, Jordan Rankin and Jake Arthur. In the front row, Oregon Kafusi and Makahezi Makatoa will bookend Reed Marnie. In the back row, Murata Niakore, uh, Captain Sean Lane and Ray Stone at lock forward. On the bench, Mitch Rain, Bryce Cartwright, Sean Russell, Birdie's new uh, man crush, Luca Moretti. And then the extended bench, Plenty of young players and uh, New South Wales Cup prospects that made a name last year. Kai Rodwell, Ofahiki Ogden, Ellie Osgaham, Brendan Hands, Solomon Naiduki, Matt Komalafi, and Josh Tuopolotu. And before we get into the Eels uh, breakdown, we did get a actual Dragons team finally. If I can just go find it. Uh, where do we post it? Under that. Here we go. So the Eel, the, like I said, continuing that theme of teams taking the first trial quite seriously. The Dragons aren't at full strength, but they're not that far off. Uh, they've gone with uh, fullback Cody Ramsey, winger Tyrell Sloan and Tao Monga, uh, centres Moses Sui and Max Figai. In the halves, uh, outstanding young prospect Junior Amone and Moses Mbai. Front row of Francis Molo and uh, Pawasa Farmasuli Far with Andrew McCullough at dummy half. In the, I didn't realise that uh, former Manly player Jack Goswalski had joined the, the Dragons, but there you go. Uh, former Eel Tyrell Fulmiano and Josh Kerr in the back row. On the bench, George Burgess, Daniel Alvaro, Jackson Ford, Josh Maguire, Matt Fiergai, uh, Jaden Hunt, Mitchell Molo, Josh Corrick, Connor Muleson, uh, Jackson Sherub, Bailey Antropus, Jonathan Rubin. Uh, who, did Jonathan Rubin play? No, I'm thinking of... Um, uh, that's another Ruben that we played on the weekend for the Bulldogs. And uh, Dean Bloor, I assume related to Sean Bloor. But yeah, yes, uh, brother. There you go. So Dragons missing, I think there's uh, four or five big names there, uh, headlined by ben, ben Hunt, but missing some big names. But it's a reasonable team uh, considering. And like I said, it continues a trend across the NRL of um, a lot of teams taking this first trial seriously, Parramatta included. We've got a whole stack of NRL talent or guys that are in the, in the hunt for spots on the bench here. Uh, what do you boys want to start with with this team? Bertie, we've, um, we've had you sort of been sitting there silent because it's all junior talk. Tell me what uh, jumps out to you about the Parramatta 24. I think it's more so, like, I'm a bit surprised that Reed, like, Reed is playing and um, you think, you know, he come back from a shoulder injury, they might play him maybe one trial game, maybe against the Panthers, but yeah, maybe Brad Arthur, but look, look I, I can't speak on Brad Arthur's behalf, but maybe he's a bit salty like I am. He's leaving us and thinking, well, I'm going to squeeze this lemon, a.k.a. Read money dry and get every single minute I can out of him. Well, because I, I don't know about salty birdie, but Reed is coming back from the injury, <laughs> needs game time. But I'll tell you what, this is a hundred percent a game he captains if he stayed with the club. I, and, and, and that's my my second point is, and like you know, well done to Sean Lane. You know, there's an article here. He, you know, it's his toughest preseason ever. So maybe he's fully fit to play the eighty minutes. But I'm shocked that Reed's playing and he's not the cap. And even when he even him being named, him not being captain is another shock. So that's what I'm a bit. It's hit me for six. That's why I'm a bit worried. <laughs> I, I almost wonder if it's just going to be like a customary get 10, 15 minutes into Reed because they've got Mitch Rain on the bench. And they've also got Brendan Hands, who I have to think they're intrigued to see what he can produce in a pseudo NRL environment, um, given that he, you know, obviously can cover at dummy half, but also a few other roles. So I'm, I'm interested to see how long Reed plays. Um, I don't. <sighs> but wouldn't you have like Mitch Rain start because he's the new guy to the, to the squad? 
and we need to know, like, because uh, we know what Reed's going to bring up to us, right? But we need to know what Mitch Rain is, and I highly doubt throughout the season he's going to get much minutes. So let's try and get as much data, you know, whatever minutes into him right now in the preseason, so we know. Just like you know, Makatoa had plenty of minutes in the trial last year. Like all these players that are borderline, like like um Hollis started last year. Like that's what I'm thinking. I don't mind if Reed was on the bench, but him starting, I'm a bit like. I don't know. It's, it's a bit strange. Maybe there's a quote. There's a criteria. You need to have a minimum, you know, two, three starters in the in the trial because every game has been trial is going to be on TV now. Maybe that's, this is from the broadcasters. You know, we want X a, amount of starters. Probably a better point than we'd give credit to the fact that everything is broadcast now. There would be a push from the the big networks to add a little bit of star power to these trials to get as much uh, exposure for ratings as possible. Um, I don't. I don't think there's anything too nefarious to Reed being named Birdie. I think it's just literally a, a case of he hasn't played football in a long time. Um, that yeah. short, that shoulder injury went back towards what late mid season last year. Uh, we ended up having to play quite a few games without him. So I think it's just a case of getting him back playing football, testing that shoulder out. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if he only plays 15, 20 minutes and then they hand it over to uh, your boy Mitch Rain as well as Brendan Hands. Um, but Ham obviously done half a key point here. But looking elsewhere across that team, anyone else you're really looking forward to seeing? Uh, well, there's a lot. I, I, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm excited to see Bailey Simonson. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he'll be on the same side. Uh, or well, Will Penasini, I, I believe. It'll be a guide to the future, Will Penasini and Bailey Simonson, yeah. I think. So that's uh, an NRL pairing right there, yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, pop him on the side of John Rankin, who's a good steady hand. Um, he'll He's played with Will a lot. Well, not a lot, but half a season in reserve grade, so he knows – um, Will's characteristics when he wants the ball, when he needs the ball. I mean, the formula's, uh, the formula's pretty simple, isn't it? Give him early ball and he'll make something happen. Oh, but. <laughs> who's he up against? Probably um, not Moses. Oh, no, I think Moses Sully does play left, so he So he played right back row. No, maybe they play left back row for Manly, I think. Yeah, so probably play left centre too. So that could be, that, that'd be, you know, we talked, we spoke last year about Will's rise to first grade where he had to face up against Brenton Hayden. He had to face up against um, that big winger, the Nene McDonald. He had to, or was it Nene, whoever it was? EJ Leilua. EJ Leilua. Um, yeah. He had literally first graders the in mur- reserve grade. The murderous row of centres in reserve grade, yeah. Mm. And so this is just, it's another it's another notch on his belt. You know, I don't think Moses Sully's on anyone's top 10 centres in the game, but he's a first grade centre. So if Will can get the wood over him, well then, you know, it's good for the future. Um, I'm excited to see Jake Arthur, another preseason of bulking up. Um, we know that Jake will be working on his game hard. Um, excited to see uh, what he brings to the table from here. Uh, Stoney, oh my boy, I love Ray Stone. You know, I'm always excited to see him play. Um, and then obviously off the bench, my two, uh, Luke Moretti. Excited, you know. Hey, hey, hey. you got to uh-huh. pronounce it with an Italian accent, Luca. I don't know if he's Italian, but I mean yeah, that, that is can't. that is fairly stereotypical Italian right there, and I, I can, you know, as, as an expert on the subject. But there, Luca Moretti is very uh, Italian. <laughs> hey, Luca Moretti, eh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, excited to see how the big fella goes. He's got a he's got a baby face. He's got a baby head. Um, I think that, I think I re- that photo just doesn't. I think that's a bad photo. I've seen other photos of him where it's it's definitely not <laughs> as bad. The club didn't do him any favors though with that little blade, the blade picture there. Um, no, so, uh, but yeah, it's it's easy to get sort of caught up in this because there are a lot of guys you want to see, uh, you know, do well. Kai Rodwell, a favorite of the podcast last year, was outstanding in the New South Wales Cup. Also had a strong debut against the Penrith Panthers in round twenty five, where he broke his hand, but still went on to make thirty or forty tackles in a good hundred meters or thereabouts. Um, new recruit Ofahi Ogden offers a bit of muscle there. Interested to see how he goes inside the Parramatta system. Uh, like Rodwell, Elsgerham was excellent for New South Wales Cup. Can he, uh, you know, show that he's got a bit on the edge there and, and sort of force his way into outside contention in that position? We already mentioned Brendan Hands. Then you got the the sort of back free trio of Naiduki, Komalafi, and Tuapolotu. Um, I know that Naiduki and Tuapolotu had a couple of good days of training recently. So um, hopefully, all three of those can you know convert that into opportunities on the park here. The one I'm really interested to see, I think. And obviously, there's you know Will you know Will Penasini, Hayes Dunst, all those guys you want to see kick on. Jacob Arf has been outstanding training, but the one I want to see get a good run at fullback on Sunday is Sean Russell. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see if he can get half a game there, what he can do because uh, Sean's very talented, got good speed, good ball skills, and he's a guy that's in contention for both reserve fullback, uh, competing with Perham obviously to be the deputy to Quinton Gufferson, but also uh, on the wing as one of the first drop guys. 
and I'm really interested to see what he can bring to the table on Sunday. I'm going to throw a name out there. It's it's a dark horse, the one that I'm looking not looking forward to seeing play, but interested to see play. George Burgess hasn't hasn't had a game since 2020. I just Gorgeous had a look George, on the old Wikipedia, yeah. and I, I wanted to see if um you know that time was spent uh, getting new hands and see if he can actually hold on to the ball. And I, I believe it's supposed to rain from now until Sunday, so those dewy conditions might not be. Um, Good for the big man from Dewsbury. <laughs> Didn't he have a hip um, surgery last the, year or something? Oh, sorry, the other Burgess. No, George, because remember George knew he joined the Eels at one point and it turns yeah. out he had some sort of degenerative condition of a shoulder or a hip or a knee. I can't remember what it was, but that ended up being a, a pretty uh, nice bullet dodge there. But yeah, um, for the Dragons, I don't know. Like, It's a solid team, but I don't know what to make of him. Like, they, they haven't got a real star, obviously – we mentioned no Ben Hunt. Uh, Tarek Sims is still with them, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, that's correct. That's Josh Kerr, he's a big fella. Yeah, like Kerr, he, he's a big unit, but he's got a few tries. Um, this this will be a good hit out for both teams, regardless. The big indicator here, obviously, being getting out unscathed with no serious injuries. But I don't think either team's going to throw complex attacking patterns or trick plays at mm. at each other here. But um, as we saw with the trial last year against the Dragons, and maybe this is going to be a bit of an annual thing. We're, we're locking out two trials against Penrith and uh, St. George uh, now. But this was a game where a couple of guys had breakout efforts or breakout performances. As I Papali'i, uh, we had uh, Makahesi Makatoa, and obviously Will Penasini, who we've spruced on the blog for a long time on the blog on the podcast. But this was uh, you know NRL supporters' first real chance to get a look at him back then. So yeah, th- this is absolutely a game where guys can make their fortunes and convert preseason form into genuine first grade opportunities, and that's that's why we sort of you know we go through all those different names because all it takes is one good showing, all of a sudden you're on the radar, and that's what we're looking for on Sunday. I mean, all, all, all I see now on um, Twitter and uh, stuff is all about Bull uh, Pedersini, the next big thing at Parramatta, like Jenko 2.0. Like they're finally he's finally getting attention that you know you guys have been talking about him, raving on about him in the juniors. You know, I'm the the fake. You know, bandwagon supporter. I just jumped hey, on. You got you got on early though. You, you, you. Yeah, but you guys were the big. You guys are like the original Bitcoin investors. I just jumped in. You know, when it looked all right. I, I wish, but, I wish uh, there was a return on investment for buying the Will Penasini stocks early on because yeah, Ham and I would have thrown in uh, a good chunk of the life savings there. He <laughs> was a blue yeah, chip. For that Will coin, I think you know a lot of it, a lot of you know it wasn't. We weren't taking a risk. No, <laughs> that, that, I mean. I think I think his first touch, you know, um, he made a break from the scrums and almost scored. Or did he score? I, think, I remember his first touch. He did well, and you know, the whole Discord was going off. You know, saying we found the next, you know, who's Sawali? Uh, Sawali who? Like this guy's better than him. So, yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to the next, um, you know, breakout star. You know, maybe that's Kamalafi or Naiduki. You know, like we, yeah. you know, I've heard those names before. You know, Naiduki. I, I really want him. You know, to get a game. You know, so. Can you continue that trend of um, blooding, you know, the Fijian wingers, you know? We, you know, we do well with our backs. You know, forwards, not so good, but backs, we do well. Yeah, we've um, we've always done well with Fijian wingers, obviously, and we've, we've done pretty good with just unearthing those raw gems in recent years. Um, so hopefully that trend continues into this Sunday, and, and whether it's Luca Moretti or Kai Rodwell or Hickey Ogden or any of those other boys, someone steps up to the plate and, and delivers a performance that makes the coaches take note. But yeah, I don't know if you want to do predictions for this. Trials are kind of a bit like that because the, yeah. the the team lists are so fluid and, and halfway through a game you might end up having uh, you know all the uh, extended bench in the roster. But um, I suppose instead, in lieu of a, a first try score or a prediction, just give me one player that you want to see have a big game uh, and for whatever reason. Uh, Simonson, Simonson, however you pronounce his name mm-hmm. because, you know, like, you know, we've lost both our wingers or Sivo's coming back mid-season, so we need someone to step up and... You know, he brings that. Look, if you guys read the uh, Brad Arthur interview he had during the week, you know, he brings speed. We haven't had it for a while, so yeah, and I'm looking on forward the podcast, to it. You know, we spoken about just that having an outright burner on one flank yeah. is definitely something the team needs. So good core, birdie. Ham Simonson's off the uh, off the the table for you. Who are you looking at as your uh, you know whether it's star breakout star, just outstanding performer on Sunday night? I'm hoping for a good performance from the skip from Sean Lane. I like it. Yeah, I. He's been a bit off the past two years. I've been a bit off him for the past two years. Um, <laughs> for for us to be a premiership threat and a premiership contender, we need our edges smashing. We need them running good lines. We need them defending well. So I think um, Sean has come out. He's talked the talk. He said it's his best preseason ever. Um, you know, you, you joke about that every year about how biggest preseason, best preseason training the Souths down 
Um, but a player would know um, if it is their best preseason, and hopefully um, it isn't just lip service from the big fella. I, I truly hope that because and I suppose I want Parramatta in the comp. <laughs> you like to think the taste of absolute responsibility with that C next to name help locks helps lock him in for at least this weekend, but for the entire season because you know it, it's even if it's a trial, getting the C and captaining the club is no small feat, and especially when you consider that there are guys like uh, Reed Marnie and. Right near Corre and you know Ray Stone, who's captain of the New South Wales Cup team. Same for Jordan Rankin, who's also captain of the New South Wales Cup team. There are there are guys of leadership credentials in this team, but Arthur's turned the Sean Lane and said, "No, you're the one that's going to be leading the mountain Sunday." So yeah, I hope he can lift to the challenge. Yeah, no, I, I don't think he'll play that long, and probably I expect him to play probably half half a game mm-hmm. with uh, Luca coming on with uh, Elza Kem coming on. Mm-hmm. I think we'll try and pump more minutes out of Murata just because. I don't think he's going to get many minutes yeah. uh, next week. And obviously the two weeks after that, it's round one and he's going to be missing. So I imagine he'll be playing probably even 60-plus. We probably hope to get out of him. So, Shawnee, I can see 40. But I hope those I, – I don't want a spectacular play. I don't, I, don't need, I don't need an offload to lead to a try. I don't need two tries in that opening 40 minutes. I just want to see him switched on for that 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I highlighted my guy earlier, but Sean Russell, I think, if he can get some time at fullback, I'm really interested to see what he can do, uh, assuming that the rest of the teams give him a platform to work with. Um, but, yeah, that, that entire extended roster from starting off Rodwell and finishing off Tuapulotu, I just wish all of them the best on Sunday. Hopefully they get a good, um, you know, good chance to uh, show their wares and, and you know get out of there unscathed as well because um, there's plenty of talent between them and, and all it takes is just one or two of them to – Provide a bit of spark, and you know, all of a sudden, that can catapult themselves right into NRL contention. Um, but yeah, I want to. I want to double dip before we finish. Oh, here we go, double dip. No, so first off, it hit me: is uh, Sean Lane the longest? Like right now in the starting squad, is he the longest serving um, power player um, in the no. squad at the moment? So who's who's been here before him? Mitchell Moses joined uh, Reed, in twenty seventeen. Oh, if you're talking first grade. Oh. Oh, I'm talking about the, the, the squad listed for this week. Is oh, that why he's probably a captain? Oh, you're talking about the tenure from this team? Uh, well, yeah. Murata's been here since 2016. If we're talking first grade, Kafusi, Marnie, and Murata, all, oh, and Stone all debuted in 2018. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, back to my double tip. I, honestly, so Brad Arthur's has come out and said, he, you know, one of the 13's been picked and it's up to the bench now. So I think the battle between Rodwell and um, Ogden, for you know, possibly the last bench spot, you know, it's going to be a bit interesting to see who... Brings that impact, you know, like who has the better engine, who has the more um, explosiveness. So it's going to be pretty uh, interesting to see, see the difference, you know, who's going to. All right. I like it. I like it. Yeah. And I think that we won't do the score predictions. Like I said, there's just too much in the air for an NRL trial. Especially- and also, you know, we've named 24. I don't think that'll be the only team, the players that are play because we don't have a half. Well, Bryce Cartwright. Yeah. We don't have a half on the on the extended reserve. Perham could switch into the halves too if Sean Russell goes to fullback. Or fullback, but yeah. But then Brandon you know, you're looking at ranking for eighty. Yeah. I just think you know there'll probably be some. We might even rely on some um, Wenty Ron Massey players mm-hmm. coming up to fill that sort of last fifteen twenty. Um, but yeah, I think that that's a nice way to wrap up the NRL trial speculation. Um, oh, and also oh. one last thing, just before we wrap up trial speculation. Don't read into the trials, positive or yeah, negative. Yeah, this is something Sixes and I spoke about because it's so easy to fall into that trap. Um, plenty of great teams have gone winless in their trials. Plenty of terrible teams have absolutely killed it in their trials, and that's not just in the NRL. That's across different sporting codes. Um, some teams, some fans give their play, uh, players standing ovations in the trials. <laughs> <laughs> oh, classic. Oh, by the way, who's the goal kicker for the team? It's going to be Rankin, I'd say. Rankin, oh, he does kick. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I I'm, guess he pays the whole eighty. Then you know we need a goal kicker uh, out there. Not, so. No, you you got other guys that can probably throw the the boot at a tee. Sean Russell's a very good goal kicker off the bench. And so. Ray Stone kick a goal, kick a goal. You know he seems like that's Ray's a complete. Ray Stone package. can do whatever he wants. Yeah. No, but um, Ray Stone can walk on water off the bench. Sean Russell probably take over the kicking duties if uh if uh, Rankin is not doing it anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, we'll wrap up the NRL there. Move on to general uh, sort of plaudits and and sporting stuff, I suppose, before he call it quits. Um, Super Bowl birdie happened on the uh, past Monday. Unfortunately, the dirty LA Rams got up uh, and got that monkey yeah. off their back. It was a bit of a controversial finish with some uh, uh, flags coming out to, to benefit the uh, LA Rams. But having said that, there was also a touchdown for the Bengals where there was a pretty blatant OPI that was missed. Um, I mean, the Bengals deserve yeah. – like I'm, I know people are like, oh, Bengals are like, you know, the fairytale ending. 
I said beginning of the year they're going to regret not choosing the tackle from Oregon, Penny Sewell. Instead, they listened to Joe Burrow, you know, and took his mate. To be he fair, got sacked to, 70 times this year. Yeah, but to be You've fair, got to protect his, his mate also went on to set a rookie record for uh, touchdowns and receptions uh, between him and the QB. Like the, I, I understand what you're saying because the O-line was absolutely uh, their Achilles heel in that game. But yeah. uh, it, I felt kind of damned they do, damned they didn't there. But I, I get it, but like... You know, he just if he just came off, he just did his ACL and MCL, right? So like, your first four, I'm gonna protect him. We're gonna protect. He's the future. Like, they're, like they're, obviously they weren't in it this year for immediate success. They're like long term success. So I get that, you know. But mate, you get Penny Saw last year, then you get another one this year. Then all of a sudden your O line's pretty good. But but yeah, that's know. definitely going to be their focus for your free agency and the draft, almost certainly. Oh yeah, they've got plenty of money as yeah, well. Exactly. So and you know, they're Cincinnati's got a long history of struggling, but they're definitely a a destination for free agents now, given the the workings of their QB. So that's always a huge attraction. Um, so that, the Super Bowl was on Monday, wasn't it? Monday morning, yeah. yes. That's really what, – what a coincidence. I saw a superb owl Ooh. on Monday, a little avum. Oh, it, was, it was interesting. I saw a Snoop Dogg. Owls are – well, that was interesting. Do you like the halftime show, Bertie? Oh, for, I- I'm not gonna lie, I, I don't mind it, but it was about ten years too late. Yeah. Like Fifty Cent, man. Oh my god, he looked like. Oh, he's still going around. Is, is he still in the club? Oh my mate, he'd been eating a lot in the club. <laughs> he can I just say though, man, he got that bot for sure. Like I don't know that what he's been up to, but I think the best part was probably Eminem, you know. And I, I don't, I don't mind it. Actually, it was all right. You know, it's a bit. Of, it was for the, it was for the not the boomers, but like my generation and up. So. Yeah, yeah, a bit of the old. I mean, it is boomer rap, which is good rap, by the way. I hate, you know, the, the new generation mumble stuff is terrible. But yeah, that yeah. wasn't the only blockbuster thing that happened in America. The Ben Simmons saga is over, Birdie. It's done. Oh, do we, can, do we go back on that halftime yeah. thing? Um, I just have to say, I'm absolutely appalled and disgusted. He took I a saw knee. that I heard that uh, Snoop, Snoopy Dog was smoking the devil's lettuce yeah, before, before before and after. And, and after. Yeah, and Eminem took a knee as well. Just disgusting I, stuff. I don't – the knee's whatever. I agree with the knee, but the speaking of the devil's lettuce, come on, seriously. Yeah, so, get with it. Where's the vape, mate? You know, you got to use one of those jewels. Get with the times. <laughs> Just seriously, I, I would have never expected it from yeah, an Snoop, outstanding citizen. Yeah, Snoop Dogg's always been on the up and up about this as well. You know, he has never, ever joked about smoking, and then all of a sudden to do that on one of the world's biggest stages. Terrible. You know, he's he's assassinated his own I'm, I'm no longer part of the dog pound. <laughs> the D-O-W-G. Uh, uh, back back to basketball, yeah. Bertie. The Ben Simmons saga, it's over. He got traded to the uh, New York Nets. Uh, oh, Brooklyn. Yeah. Oh, sorry. The, Bro- the Brooklyn, Brooklyn Nets. They're, they're, they're located in New York, but the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. With, uh, Funny enough James about Harden them, right? The Kyrie Irving can't play in his own building, right, yeah. because of the whole anti-vax. <laughs> but if you're an oppos- opposition or opposing player, you can play if you're not jabbed. So I don't – if you're not jabbed, sorry. So if – so if he was playing for any other team, he could play in Brooklyn. But because he's for some reason, in Brooklyn, he can't play in Brooklyn. Yeah, it's a bit interesting, you know. Like, but yeah, there was a it was a busy free uh, busy free agency, busy trade window in the NBA. But thankfully, the uh, Simmons 76 saga, well, at least it's over in that regard. I'm sure there's going to be lots more articles about it. Yeah, but there's in March, one. I think they versus each other in Philadelphia. March, March so it's 10, be interesting. March 10 is when Ben 10, that's his new number, goes back to Philly. So he's they're going to yeah. they're going to boo the house down against him. And uh, in other NBA news, Josh Giddy's doing really well there. Another young Aussie, he's got his third straight triple-double, which I believe becomes the first player since Oscar Robinson in 1960 to do that as mm-hmm. a rookie. So Giddy yeah. looking looking the goods and Australian basketball for the uh, future Olympics and world events looking pretty uh, yeah. pretty good. Even um, so, also in America, uh, ex-Paramatta Junior, or well, he played Harold Mass, or no, SG Ball for uh, us for, for a second. Tied to Avasa, man, he knocked out the third-ranked heavyweight. In the UFC, you know, the elbow, and he's possibly looking at um fighting the second rank player, uh, the fighter, the French guy Cyril Garn, and if he wins that, you know, he might have a title shot. So yeah, a bit of um, you know, from the area, you know, from Kingswood. So it's a bit a, it's pretty cool seeing him just local, knock out people. Local boy representing, and then uh, yeah. Bobby Knuckles just falling short in his rematch. Yeah. Uh, but he, isn't he in the same weight division as that Francis and Garnu? Yeah. He's a freak. <laughs> oh, mate. Yeah. When you look at him, you're like, this guy. Jesus he Christ. Yeah, he's just all muscle. And then you look at Ty, like, no offense, Ty, but yeah. at least have a two-pack or something. You know, like, this guy. And, 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 like, you look at Ty, like, if you watch the fight, like, he was getting hit by Derek Lewis. 
And instead of him being like, you know, covering up or protecting, the first thing he does is swinging. You know, he's he's defense is offense, and you know Dana White's licking his lips. You know, he's got a you know got a an entertaining fighter right there. You know, just going for the knockout. So yeah, it's all right. Yeah, a lot a lot happening in the sporting world though. It's always good to have those other outlets outside of the NRL. But most importantly, it's it's starting to ramp up towards round one, boys. Got that Dragons trial on the weekend, and we got the NRLW just around the corner too. At the end of this month, I believe. Uh, is it the last days of February, Ham, that we get round one for the NRLW? Or is it March 10? No, March 10 is the NRL. Uh, the women starts yeah. on the 27th of February. 27th of February, there you go. So Triple header. That's a, I, that's a week and a half away. So You know what I can't wait for? NRL 360, my mate Brave, oh, you know. Don't. Mate, I can't wait for that. I'll it's give it, I'll literally give it 10 minutes and then he's going to be out the door. He'll be quit. He'll quit. Of all the, like, Fox has so many people they could have caught upon. And obviously Yvonne's not available at the moment, and you know she's a fantastic host in her own right. But you, you I, need, I'll get her newborn to interview better yeah, than him. You, you, you know, need, brave. And it, and it, you know, as bland as Ben Eichen could be at times, he he was a good contrast to Kent's inflammatory, you know, nature. I just don't. He see, was the straight man. He he was a good straight man to Kent. That's right, Ham. I just don't see Brave being the straight man there. Um, I don't know. Well, benefit of the doubt, I suppose. But yeah, mm. have to might have to watch even less of the three sixty than we already did. It's hard to watch less than zero. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, I think we'll wrap it up there, boys. Unless you've got any shout outs you want to give, but we're going to reconvene next Tuesday, I dare say, with a team list for the Penrith Panthers and plenty to talk about out of that NRL trial and the Jersey flag trial. That's if we get TLT instead of TLW. I, I assume it'll be TLT because of the nature of how serious that battle of the West preseason is, but it could be a TLW. Oh, and get your tickets, Eels fans, because, you know, we don't want Penrith supporters. And it, yeah. you're also competing with the uh, Penrith and Cronulla fans, I think, too. It's a doubleheader at Combank, right? Oh, yeah, I'm getting out there early just so I can boo. <laughs> 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 I've got three That's teams that I can boo. How good oh, is man, Ham's going to love it. Stop by Winnie, get a Winnie roll, then, you know, hit the hit the club for, like, a bit of, like, a, just, what's it called, Lucky 88? You know, put a bit of no, $10 in the... the dance floor. Hit the dance floor hit the in between. dance floor and then yeah. just give it to the Pampers, the Sharks, and the Dragons. <sighs> three absolute scum teams. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, oh. but, yeah, uh, hopefully you enjoyed the the uh, podcast this week in the absence of our glorious leader Hamish he'll be back next week I hope um, in order to talk all that action from the weekend thanks for stopping by guys and boys I hope you keep well you too mate go there yours yeah have a good one